Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is December the 22nd, 2017, three days from Christmas. Uh, We're between the two great holidays of Hanukkah, Christmas. I hope everyone's having a wonderful holiday season, and I thank you for joining me. Um, You know, today, uh, immigration, again, very much in the news. It's something that I've been saying forever that immigration is not a single issue, but a singular issue that impacts virtually every challenge and threat confronting America and Americans today. So um, here we go. Uh, Those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, uh, an agency that was sliced and diced and reconstituted uh, when DHS was created by the administration of President George W. Bush and put together in a way that frankly was fatally flawed. And I write about that in some of my articles, my most recent article, in fact, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we have an immigration crisis that is the direct result, not of a broken agency, but of a broken uh, will of politicians from both political parties who lack morality, frankly, who lack, um, consideration, who are more focused on campaign contributions than they are with doing what their jobs require to uphold their oaths of office, to support and defend the Constitution, and to protect the nation um, in which they serve. Our immigration laws have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. If they did, I never could have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone for 30 years. But so many lies are being spewed by people who have much to gain financially by taking down America's borders, by removing the notion of American sovereignty, by flooding America with an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable, and compliant foreign labor, by flooding America with an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. And frankly, these folks don't give a damn about the well-being of America or Americans, And this isn't a left-right issue. I am so tired of hearing friends of mine who are conservatives say, oh, you got to vote for Joe Smith or fill in the blank, Mary Jones, pick some name. That person's a true conservative. Folks, immigration isn't about left or right. It's about right or wrong. It's about right or wrong. If Democrats were truly Democrats, and I'm registered as a Democrat, but I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat, The concern of the Democratic Party used to be the American worker and his or her family. Today, they don't give a rat's tail about Americans, period, period. If they did, they would not want to import competition for American workers who can't find jobs. And when you flood America with lots and lots and lots of workers, the supply of law, uh, the, the law of supply and demand kicks in and you drive down the value of labor. The Democratic Party used to be the party of labor. Today, it has become the party of betrayal. But the Republicans are no better. Uh, Look, when after 9-11, the 9-11 Commission said 
We must secure the borders. We must enforce the immigration laws. President George W. Bush, reportedly a Republican, created an agency that stymied efforts at border security and immigration law enforcement. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of John Hostetler for it. If John's name isn't familiar to you, he had been a conservative Republican from Indiana, member of the House of Representatives who chaired the House Immigration Subcommittee. And if you go to my latest article, the front page magazine, you will see quotes in my article from Chairman Hostetler, who went after the flawed way in which DHS was put together ostensibly to make certain that terror attacks could not happen again. That was the whole point to the 9-11 Commission. Yet, incredibly, the Bush administration did the precise opposite. Instead of making immigration law enforcement the focus, he diluted it and mixed it in with other agencies to make damn sure that those borders remained wide open and our immigration laws were not enforced. And this right after 9-11. And this right after the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it clear that first and foremost, 9-11 happened and only happened because of multiple failures of the immigration system. So neither party has much bragging rights here, and that's why both parties went bats when President Trump was elected. He is the first first populist president this country has had in decades, perhaps since Eisenhower. I, I mean, understand that. Understand that. Every single administration since Eisenhower, maybe JFK, every single administration has been determined to export jobs, import foreign workers, foreign students, foreign tourists, doing the bidding of the morally bankrupt United States Chamber of Commerce. And I write about it in my current article. And please, folks, go to my website. Go to michaelcutler.net. Go to capsweb.org. Go to Front Page Magazine. Go to The Social Contract. What I want you to do is read the articles that I've written, and then don't just read them, but forward them to every breathing person that you can, and please ask them to read what I have written. My articles are fact-based, based on the experiences that I acquired during my 30 years with the former INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, and based on open source material that is available if People were only willing to do some homework and stop reading the nonsense on the World Wide Web and look at government reports, look at congressional hearings, look at information that's readily available if you're willing to go beyond the nonsense of listening to the lame stream media that's in bed with the globalists. Please understand that. Please understand that the truth is out there. And in fact, there was a report released by the Justice Department, and I I don't have time for it today, but suffice it to say that a joint press release by DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, under Bush, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender, and certainly under the Obama administration, it absolutely became the Department of Homeland Surrender. But the Department of Homeland (laughs) Homeland Security, in conjunction with DHS, issued a press release talking about how 94% of known aliens in our jails for major crimes were illegally present in the country. That's why there is a very, very, very important reason to make distinctions between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens, a distinction that going back to Jimmy Carter and his corrupt uh, administration tried to blur. That's the point. 
And look at the damage this does to lawful immigrants who wait online, do what they're supposed to do, uh, pay those fees for the attorneys, uh, and, and do what they have to do to abide by the color of the law, letter of the law, hopefully. I mean, even there we've got problems because we process so many applications. We've naturalized terrorists. We've naturalized drug dealers. We've given political asylum to terrorists. Uh, we've given um, refugee status to others that are involved with terrorism. So please understand that even the legal system is totally screwed up. And these are issues that we're going to discuss today. But what I want you to understand is that when from square one, you have political leaders unwilling to make a distinction between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens, this might help the illegals, at least in terms of the agenda. You know, let's get the public to not make the distinction. But it also undermines the credibility of lawful immigrants who we should be welcoming with open arms. Because today, when people hear the word immigrant, they don't think of a foreign national seeking to become an American because of the twisted use, the Orwellian use of language, not political correctness. That's nonsense. This is Orwellian. And because of the Orwellian use of language, the term immigrant is now equated with law violator, with trespasser. And that's not right. That's not fair. It's a huge disservice to lawful immigrants. It's a huge disservice to America's tradition of being a nation of immigrants. Point of fact, folks, we are a nation of immigrants, but sure as hell, we're not a nation of lawbreakers or trespassers. And when you refuse to make that distinction, then you are in the land of anarchy. And that's where we are. And when you listen to the news media referred to immigration anarchists as being pro-immigrant, well, abandon all hope. Abandon all hope. There is nothing pro-immigrant about seeking the destruction of America's sovereignty, the dismantling of America's borders, and the legalization of millions of people who snuck into the country surreptitiously. So there's no way of knowing when they got here. There's no way for our government to know that they're here at all. So we have no idea about their backgrounds, affiliations, or ultimate goals, whether it's because they're criminals, fugitives, or terrorists. That's how serious this matter is. And that's why we've been getting lied to by people that don't give a damn at the carnage of America. 60,000 people died of opiate overdoses last year. When was the last time you saw a good commercial on television warning people about opiate use? Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. You know why? Because the money that is laundered from the drug trade washes through Wall Street, real estate, and the banking industries. That's why. There's money in it. You know, Willie Sutton robbed the banks because he said that's where the money is. Willie Sutton was a petty crook. When you look at what the banks, Wall Street, and corporations are doing to destroy the American dream for Americans, to undermine American national security and public safety so they can make a buck, Willie Sutton, by comparison, is a hero. I have never seen this nation stoop to the level that it has gone, and I've never seen more dopey Americans who drink the Kool-Aid about how anybody who wants to secure the borders and enforce immigration laws is xenophobes, racists, taters, and bigots. The very notion of Latino voters is a statement of bigotry, racism, outrageous profiling. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your ethnicity is. If you are an American citizen, and if you are rational, then you want what every other American wants. If you're rational, this doesn't matter whether you're left or right. You want the military to keep America's enemies as far from 
possible from our shores, and there's no shortage of enemies. You look at Iran, you look at North Korea, uh, give me a break. You want our law enforcement to keep gangs off the streets, drugs off our street corners, and keep our communities safe from crime. And you want the schools to be able to educate our kids so that any American, irrespective of what I call superficial issues, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, any American willing to work hard, study hard, and benefit perhaps from a bit of good luck thrown in for good measure can write the next great success story. That's what we all want. And when you flood America with more foreign workers than the number of new jobs you're creating, you're on a death spiral. You are going to turn and have started turning America into a third world country. And it's not because of race or anything else. It's simply because when people come to America from the third world, they bring with them third world expectations of wages and working conditions. And when you bring in enough, and we now have millions upon millions, that then becomes the new norm, the new standard, the new prevailing set of circumstances. That's why our economy hasn't budged. That's why the middle class is going the way of the dodo bird. That's why we have a national debt. You have foreign workers, legal and illegal, remitting tens of millions of, uh, millions of dollars every year. I'm sorry, tens of billions of dollars every year out of the United States. Mexico alone gets $25 billion, at last estimate, in money wired home by their workers. And that's the visible money. How much money is moved covertly, you see? Money converted to gold or drugs or God knows what. So it's easy to move because when you move a million dollars in cash, that's a big suitcase. But when you can convert it to a substance um, that's of high value, then it's easy to move the money. America is bleeding red and green, and it's orchestrated by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, by the various industries that seek cheap, compliant labor, by everybody and anybody who profits through exploitation of human beings. And so in order to sell us this three-legged racehorse, uh, the open borders anarchists have been very, very good at creating false language, false arguments, and bullying tactics to shut down debate. If you, if you look at the so-called safe spaces on college campuses, what you are seeing is an attack on the First Amendment. I know so many people were worried about the Second Amendment. Folks, be worried about the First Amendment. Be very worried. If you have no First Amendment rights, you are no longer living in a democratic republic. The ability to speak your mind freely without fear is a hallmark of a democracy. When there is a revolution and rebels take control of a country, the first thing that they seize are the radio and television broadcast stations, and then they go after the newspapers to control the flow of information. Straight out of George Orwell, this is not political correctness. This is about thought control through language control, and that's why I wrote an article for the social contract that appeared in their fall edition, still available online, uh, the title, The Road to Tyranny is Paved with Language Censorship. When the word alien was expunged from the debate on immigration, replaced by the word immigrant, then the argument became that anybody who thought we should not let in aliens, including criminals and terrorists, anybody who would restrict the entry of any foreign national got branded anti-immigrant. That's the game. 
That's the game that they're playing, and Americans have fallen for it. So please understand that words matter, and please understand that we must learn to stand our grounds and grow a spine. I come from Brooklyn where schoolyard fistfights were not uncommon, and I certainly don't want anybody having a fistfight anywhere. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I certainly learned to stand on my own two feet and not back down, not back down. When someone accuses me of racism, I challenge them. I dare them to explain it. Their arguments melt like a snowman at the beach in August. They have no arguments. It's an argument that they use, and they've been winning with that argument because we have turned into a nation of cowards, spineless, gutless cowards. When someone makes that accusation, they need to be spoken to directly, unequivocally, peacefully, but darn it, stand up. Stand up. Get your voice heard. You know, I, I was a B'nai B'rith president back in college. B'nai B'rith, for those who aren't familiar with it, is a Jewish service organization. They do a lot of great charitable work. Uh, we used to collect lots of money for um, um, Danny Thomas's hospital, St. Jude. Did a lot of great work. But they had a, 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 um, a retreat one weekend back when I was in college. We went to upstate New York, and they showed a film. And the title of the film, as best I could remember it, was The Price of Silence. The point to the film was that if someone spews racist, bigoted, you know, hateful rhetoric, and you don't stand up and say, no, that's not right, everybody present will presume that you're in agreement with the nonsense that's being spewed by the true bigot. We have an obligation, you know, for every freedom we have, we have an obligation that goes with it. Authority carries with it accountability. We have the freedom to speak our minds. But as Ronald Reagan said, um, democracy is never more than one generation from extinction. And if we stop speaking our minds for whatever reason, it will become a vestigial right. We will lose it. It will have no meaning. And once we lose the ability to speak our minds freely, we wind up in a totalitarian state. The Third Reich went out and burned books. Rebels, as I said, take control of broadcasting media. The idea is to control information and to control language, to control thought. That's what it's about. That's how totalitarian regimes come into existence. So we as Americans have an obligation. And what I'm going to ask you to do is make a New Year's resolution that in the coming year, you will stand your ground. When somebody says something that's truly off the rails, have that conversation. Don't allow nonsense to go unchallenged because when these folks get away with it, it emboldens them to push harder. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Give them a mile, they will take our country. So please, folks, make that your number one New Year's resolution, to stand up, to speak your mind, to exercise your absolute right under the First Amendment when you hear nonsense. But in order to do it effectively and accurately, you need to educate yourself. None of this, I've heard and they say nonsense. Those are not quotable sources. Do your homework. If you look at my articles, what I try to provide you with is fact-based material. Fact-based. Not a hunch, not a hair grew into my ear and I now have this idea. It's a hunch. No, no, no. 
If you read my articles, I substantiate everything that I say with cold, hard facts. That's the way debates are won. You know, had I not become a federal agent, my plan was to either be a journalist or to teach speech and debate on the college level. I've been debating since I was 14. I was on the high school and college debating teams, and I never lost a debate. But debates are always won on fact and presenting those facts in a coherent, logical, rational fashion. That's what you need to strive to do. Exercise your First Amendment. Do it proudly and do it with a bit of chutzpah. Demonstrate that you have spine. Demonstrate that you're not going to be pushed around. We're living in a dangerous era. And if you look at what is happening with President Trump, and I don't agree with everything he says or how he says it, my gosh, I I wish, I wish he understood that language sometimes needs to be more nuanced. But this is the first president who's talked about not only bringing jobs back to America, but by making certain that American hands do the jobs. When was the last time you heard a president say that? The 12th of never. And so the president has made it clear. He just issued a report. This is the topic of my recent article, that he has an understanding that immigration is national security. That was the whole point to the article that just got published a couple days ago. Trump links immigration law enforcement to national security. The subtitle, America's borders are its first and last line of defense. And what I did was to combine the president's statement that he issued from the White House, his policy on national security, where he made it abundantly clear that border security was an integral part of national security. So that was the first thing that he said, made it, made it very, very clear that this was about securing the borders to keep out terrorists and drug dealers and so forth. Uh, in fact, here is what the wording, and it's, again, please go to the article at frontpagemag.com. But here is how his um, document, President Trump's document on national security policy begins. Protect the homeland. President Trump's fundamental responsibility is to protect the American people, the homeland, and the American way of life. Again, his words. We will strengthen control of our borders and reform our immigration system to protect the homeland and restore our sovereignty. The greatest transnational threats to the homeland are jihadist terrorists using barbaric cruelty to commit murder, repression, and slavery, and virtual networks to exploit vulnerable populations and inspire and direct plots. Next, transnational criminal organizations tearing apart our communities with drugs and violence and weakening our allies and partners by corrupting democratic institutions. And then he said, America will target threats at their source. We will confront threats before they ever reach our borders or cause harm to our people. Now think about that. The mission of the military is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible, just as I said at the beginning of my program. But plan B is DHS. See, during the Second World War, spies and saboteurs sought to enter the United States by various means. Uh, The Nazis in particular used U-boats. We had uh, German Nazi saboteurs try to uh, come in through Florida and through uh, Long Island by by U-boats. Fortunately, they were caught by the Coast Guard and the FBI. And it was around that time that they moved immigration from the Labor Department, where it was to protect American jobs and American workers, suddenly moved to the Justice Department because the greatest and truly greatest generation understood the nexus between immigration border security and national security. 
So they moved immigration to the Justice Department, where it worked side by side with the FBI. It was clear. Terrorists, saboteurs, whatever you want to call them, first have to come to America to attack us. That was a point that was made by the 9-11 Commission staff report. Again, I provided testimony to the commission. In order to attack us, the terrorists had to come here. Whether they ran the border, whether they came on U-boats, whether they came on airliners, it didn't matter. They needed to be present in the United States. How then can you ignore illegal immigration? How then can you settle for a vetting process that doesn't successfully vet out people who want to kill us? Challenge. And that's what President Trump has been trying to do. And he's been stopped at every turn by all sorts of individuals uh, in Congress and the courts and the courts. Remember when they said they told the president, oh, (laughs) Title VIII, uh, United States Code, Section 1182F, the authority of the president to keep out any alien or class of aliens if the president uh, believes that they pose a threat to our well-being. I I don't have the exact language. It's It's a very low bar against an interest of the United States. And they said, oh, you can't do that if these people have familial relationships, if they have a job waiting, if they're going to school. Really? How many of the terrorists that we have seen carry out attacks in America were married? Look at San Bernardino, that woman who came here on that K-1 fiancé petition. Look at the Tsarnaev brothers. They carried out that deadly attack at the Boston Marathon uh, on on, on, uh, Patriots Day, of all things, April 15th, uh, 2013. Their family was here. This whole business, Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, was married to a woman here in the United States. That's how he got his green card and his citizenship. Citizenship. And then he sets off a car bomb. And now we have this, this latest Nimrod that set off that uh, bomb that thankfully injured him more than it injured anyone else, the citizen from Bangladesh who came here because of chain migration. And what I've been writing about is, you know, the media is crazy. They're nuts. It's like, oh, the guy came by chain migration. That's going to be the focus today. Oh, the guy came by K-1 visas. We saw in San Bernardino. So I kept getting calls. Can you come on the show and talk about K-1 visas? Um, a student committed an attack. Oh, we got to talk about student visas. Folks, immigration is a system. It's a system of many components, just like an airplane. You know, an airplane has wings and a tail assembly and a fuselage and a cockpit and engines and landing gear and control surfaces and so forth. You need to look at immigration as a system. You have the journalists acting like the blind men groping an elephant. If you haven't heard that story, the idea is that each blind man is holding on to a different part of the elephant, but based on that one part of the elephant thinks he knows what the real creature looks like. Remember, he's blind. So one guy's grabbing the leg, and he thinks an elephant is a tree. Another guy's got the trunk. Another guy's got the tail. Another guy's got the ear. The immigration system lacks integrity, period, period. And the lack of integrity of the immigration system parallels the lack of integrity of our politicians. We see illegal aliens killing people, not just Kate Steinle. There have been many other shootings. Kate Stiley's death, incredibly tragic, got the attention of the media because she was a very pretty young girl with her father. The story was compelling. But the media is all about sensationalism. If it bleeds, it leads. We're not going to do a story about dog bites man, but we'll do a story about man bites dog. 
That's the media. They are the circus barker. Now, yes, they have a daunting challenge. So many things are happening in so many places at the same time all over the country. What story do they cover? But almost always they want something that's going to be a shocker. We've got to outdo everybody else, you know. The daily reality is every year we're losing thousands of innocent lives because of aliens who should not be present in the United States. Thousands. Everyone knows Kate Steinle's name. How many of the thousands of other names have you heard? Very few, if any. That's the way the media presents things. And that's the way the politicians try to spin things. Oh, that was an isolated case. He really wasn't trying to shoot her. The bullet ricocheted off the concrete. Look, and that's how the guy gets off from murder. Unbelievable. Fortunately, there are federal laws that are being brought to bear. One of them, illegal alien in possession of a firearm. If you want to look it up, it's Title 18, United States Code, Section 922, and then in parenthesis G, parenthesis 5, 922G5, illegal alien in possession of a firearm. Which, by the way, goes back to why would we want to put illegal aliens in the military? Because it's illegal for an illegal alien to possess a firearm or even ammunition. Don't let the facts get in the way of the story or the narrative, boys and girls. See, the difference between what I write about and what you're seeing in most places, not because I'm brilliant. I hope you like my writing style. I work at it. My degree was communications, arts, and sciences. I call it my BA and BS. But the difference is, and it's not just me, that those of us who actually enforce the laws, understand the laws in ways that the desk jockeys will never understand it, will never understand it. If you're going to get information from, about some topic, you want a primary source of information. If you ever study journalism, primary source. What's a primary source? The person who was there. The person who was there. He saw it happen. He's your primary source. For 30 years, I saw it happen, up close and in person. And on occasion, I've done debates with people that have never enforced the law have never studied the law, but they put them in front of the cameras because the guy is involved with some organization that has a position, God only knows. And so the debate is on where someone with real world experience winds up debating somebody who knows less than nothing about the topic. And it's not just immigration. We see it all over the place. So when people talk about fake news, they're right. They are absolutely right. So the trick here is to try to educate yourself by the truth, not by the fantasies, not by the propaganda, not by the lies, not by the Orwellian uh, linguistic experts. How do we spin the words? Funny story, I was doing a debate years ago on MSNBC. Some young lady came on and kept insisting that I stop using the term illegal alien. The term alien is a legal term. It simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. And she kept saying, Mr. Cutler, they're undocumented. They're undocumented. She must have said it about four times, responded and said, you know, actually undocumented is far scarier than illegal. Undocumented means that they don't have a scrap of paper to prove who the hell they are. And in an era of terrorism and transnational criminals um, infiltrating, and that is the word, the United States sneaking in surreptitiously so they can do their dirty work. The idea that someone is undocumented keeps me awake at night. She was stunned. 
you know, I went home and watched the video. I was in a separate little studio. I used to call them the isolation chamber, the closet. But the look on her face was, was beautiful. It was priceless. She was startled that I took her own language and used it against her. And within 24 hours, not only did the open borders anarchists, and they're not pro-immigrant, they're open borders anarchists, not only did they change the language, but the administration of George W. Bush changed the language. They stopped using the word undocumented, at least for a while, and they started to call them unauthorized aliens. See, unauthorized. We were playing the game of Simon Says, and Simon didn't say, so they're unauthorized. Oops. No big deal. Nothing to see here, folks. Let's keep moving. They keep changing the language to sell a lie. You can always tell whether someone is honest with you when they're not hypocritical and if they don't keep changing the words. People who keep changing the language and people who demonstrate hypocrisy cannot be trusted. If you want to know how to trust people, and I spent 30 years doing uh, interviews and interrogations, You look for hypocrisy. You look for inconsistencies. So let's look at Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer said, when people trespass on critical infrastructure or national landmarks, the penalties aren't strong enough, and that's why they do it. He said this because we had some instances of people going to the Manhattan Bridge in in, in New York City and putting up a big ISIS flag. And then we had some kids, 16 years old, climb the World Trade Center tower while it was under construction. And he even talked about that 16-year-old kid and said what he did is dangerous. And the way we will discourage this is let's make this a federal law. There we go. We need a new law, folks. What else? And the law should call for five years in jail if you trespass on critical infrastructure or landmarks. Well, you know, Schumer's might be right. Schumer's idea might be right. You trespass. We want to discourage it. Let's create a penalty that is so severe that people will stop certain activities. We do it with drunk driving. We lower the permissible blood alcohol level, and we seize cars and licenses, impose huge fines, and even put people in jail. That's pretty strong. And then you have lots of public service announcements, and you warn people, if we catch you drunk driving, we're taking your car, your license, your freedom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're doing the same thing with texting while driving. I don't understand what's wrong with, with, with idiots that could either drunk drive or drunk while text, or drive while texting, but this is part of how we wind up with the politicians we end up with also. But Schumer was right. You know, you want to stop behavior, punish it, hammer them, make it so severe that no one would even think of doing it again. Okay. The same Chuck Schumer, however, says that when you trespass on America, and that's what we're talking about when people enter without inspection, they don't enter undocumented. That's not a real word. That's right out of the Ministry of Truth. From 1984. All of you folks, if you have time off this week, please get a copy of 1984 and read it. It's an eye opener. You will never see these lying politicians, forgive the redundancy, you will never see these lying politicians the same way again. It will explain to you everything that's going on. 1984 by George Orwell. So entering undocumented is Orwellian. It's not political correctness, it's not about being polite, it's about twisting language to create a misinformation and confound conversation. They enter undocumented. Bunk. They enter without inspection. In other words, they're trespassing. So the same Chuck Schumer, who insists that anybody who would would, would, um, uh, transgress on private property, trespass, 
to go to jail. Five years. Lock him in a cage. For trespass on America? Oh, well, now you've earned the right to citizenship. One of the component elements of citizenship to be a candidate is good moral character. So from day one, you have people that show utter contempt for our borders, our laws, our sovereignty. But that's okay. That's okay. Because they're immigrants. And we are, after all, a nation of immigrants. And if they've committed a crime, well, everybody messes up. As long as it's not a 16-year-old boy climbing the World Trade Center because Chuck Schumer wants to put that 16-year-old boy in jail for five years. Now, isn't that a remarkable bit of hypocrisy? 16-year-old boy climbs World Trade Center. Schumer talked about him right on his official Senate website. That kid needs to go to jail. He did something dangerous. People trespass on America. Ah, thank you for coming. It's so wonderful that you bothered to come. We admit a million lawful immigrants every year. A million every year. More than the rest of the world combined. Why? bother with a legal system? Why bother spending $14 billion a year and employing more than 60,000 people at Customs and Border Protection to employ the inspectors at ports of entry, the job I did for the first four years of my career, and of course the Border Patrol that's supposed to interdict anybody who would evade the inspections process, 60,000 plus employees, roughly $14 billion a year. Why are we bothering if it doesn't matter how you come here? Think about that. Why bother? If you're going to run the borders and get away with it, why wait online? Imagine when I drive to Washington, I get on the Jersey Turnpike. I have a choice. I can take cash or easy pass. Under this concept that these anarchists like Schumer push, they should open up a third lane that says free, no speed limit. Well, if you did that, who in their right mind would wait online to pay? That's what they're doing. And if you dare suggest that this makes no sense, oh, you're a hater and a bigot and a xenophobe and you're a terrible person. You can't have a legal system next to an illegal system and have your very same government be an advocate for illegal. And by the way, as I've noted in one of my very first congressional hearings after 9-11, you get one opportunity for first impression. Generally speaking, people from other countries encounter the first set of laws that relate to the United States by coming here, which are our immigration laws. The message that has been sent clearly for decades is that in America, violating our laws is not only acceptable, but something that our government is willing to reward. Is that a sensible first impression that any country should provide to the world? As I said, when I went before the Senate Judiciary Committee, that kind of thinking, you know, in essence, fires the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from around the world. And for those folks, the finish line was the border of the United States until now. So President Trump, as I showed you, has made it clear that what he wants to do is make certain that border security and immigration law enforcement are elements of national security. He's right. He's right. By the way, it's interesting that after 9-11, George W. Bush said that we will deprive terrorist sanctuary anywhere in the world, I guess except in sanctuary cities. Kind of remarkable. Obama said the same thing. Oh, we will not allow the terrorists to have sanctuary, unless, of course, it was Hezbollah. And you look at the scandal now brewing 
with Hezbollah, their drug trafficking, and the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, I, I can't wait to see more of the facts emerge. I spent half my career not just enforcing immigration law, but America's drug laws. I was assigned to DEA intelligence for four years, and then I was a senior agent with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. I lost friends in law enforcement who enforced the law, including a very close friend of mine, Everett Hatcher, a DEA agent, who was shot in the head during a meeting with, a, with a, um, an Italian mobster. What did he die for? so that the president of the United States can give Hezbollah a free pass? If that's the case, I want to see all the facts before I make accusations. But this, if it's true, is outrageous beyond any words that I could imagine. Drug trade funds terrorism. We know this. The Taliban has been funding its activities. In England, 85% of the drugs, 85% of the heroin ingested in England come via Afghanistan and the Taliban. So, I mean, everything is interconnected, folks. You finally have a president and an attorney general by the name of Jeff Sessions who gets it. And they're getting pushback like we've never seen in all of my years. Pushback because you have a president who dares to suggest that border security equals national security. And he's not just going to talk about it. He's going to act. And how is he going to act? Well, we get to another uh, report, and, and here's the report. According to Government Executive Magazine, the administration is seeking to work with an outside organization, and I'll have a, a report on this soon. One of the organizations was behind U.S. visit, and it was an utter disaster. So I hope they look carefully before they decide what company they want to work with that's outside of government to recruit more ICE, more ICE agents and more Border Patrol agents. But the headline was that the administration seeks outside help to hire 26,000 new immigration enforcement personnel. 26,000. Wow. I, I was asked at some congressional hearings if I thought we had enough resources for enforcement of immigration law, and of course the answer was no. On 9-11, we had about 2,000 INS special agents for the whole country. 2,000. 2,000. Think of that number. New York City at the time had about 40,000 tops just for the city of New York. Now we're down to about 36,000 police officers, 37,000, somewhere in that range. President Trump, in keeping his campaign promise, said that he wants to hire 10,000 more ICE agents. So he's not just saying, oh, we have to write more laws. And that's the game the politicians play. We need more laws. They don't want to hire more agents. Just write new laws. But you see, laws that are legislated are not immutable. If you don't enforce them, they're meaningless. Speed limits mean nothing unless you have a cop out there with a radar gun and a summons book. If there's no cops patrolling the highways, people speed. As soon as a cop pulls someone over, everybody becomes a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout for the next 10 miles. We've all seen it. Because people are deterred when they know that there are consequences. I call that deterrence through enforcement. So the trick that the politicians have played on the American people, and I talk about it in my article, we need mandatory E-Verify. They're right. It should be mandatory. No argument. I agree 100%. However, when was the last time you saw some politicians say, we need mandatory E-Verify, and we're going to hire thousands of agents to make sure that this program works? You never hear this, the second step. Why? Because they don't want the laws enforced. Their campaign contributors don't want to be hassled. 
So you write a law and you make sure there's no funding to enforce it. So for all intents and purposes, laws that don't get enforced are laws that don't exist. No more. Attorney General Sessions, President Trump understand all this. And they're saying, we're going to hire the people. We're going to enforce the laws. And I could just see the people at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce running to the bathroom. They are not happy campers. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has been behind this push to expand the number of visa waiver countries at a time when there should be zero visa waiver countries. Read my article. Go to front page Mac. By the way, if you like my articles, please post them on Facebook or other social media. I'll be honest. I'm a techno dinosaur. I don't do that. So I need your help. I want you to be part of my bucket brigade of truth. How in the world did we go from 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11 to 38 visa waiver countries now? Easy. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce bought politicians. The politicians are their proxies. Are their proxies. And both George W. Bush and Barack Obama expanded the number of visa waiver countries. It's dangerous. If you've ever seen any of the news programs, they bring in people from intelligence services. What's the first thing you heard when you saw the terror attacks in Europe? Oh, my God, these people could come here without visas. That's right, because of the visa waiver program. So why do we still have it? Because if you go to the Discover America website, Discover America um, uh, Partnership, that's what it's called, the Discover America Partnership, you will see that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has partnered with the Hotel, Hospitality, Travel, and Manufacturing Associations to make it easy for people to come here so they could spend their money. And as I said in my article, as long as those individuals are more fixated with head counts on airplanes, cruise ships, and ballparks than they are with body counts in the morgue, nothing is going to change. They are upset beyond words. They are beside themselves that we actually have a president that wants to impose security on America's borders. That might stop the flow of drugs, right? Certainly it would hurt it. Drugs don't just come across the Mexican border. They're flooding in through international airports and seaports, the Canadian border. It's, it's oozing in from every direction. But the Mexican border is a major problem. And the way you do it is you have to hit all the problems simultaneously. You know, when I was at a hearing, I said that the immigration system was like a balloon. Squeeze one end, it bulges elsewhere. So the idea is enforce the laws, secure the borders. Well, that's going to cut down on the flow of drugs. That means less money going into the banks, Wall Street, and, and, and so forth. Less cheap labor. And there's an article, and I just wrote a piece about it, about the position that an Indian newspaper took. So you'll be interested at how people from the country of India regard President Trump. If it doesn't light your fuse, I don't know what will. But again, fake news, statements that they make, Wait till you see my next article. You'll have to see it to believe it. I looked at a headline from an Indian website and almost fell over. It's not just in America. It's all over the world. The globalists hate borders. They don't care that they're our first and last line of defense against transnational terrorists and international criminals, transnational criminals. Those borders to them are an impediment to great wealth, their wealth at our expense at our expense. And that's why you're seeing such resentment against Trump, because he finally gets it, and he doesn't need their money, so they can't buy him and they can't threaten him. 
in politics, if you run for Congress and you're not one of the fair hands and you lock horns with the powers that be in your party, they defund your campaign. Lots of luck trying to run when your party gives you $100 to run for a seat in the House of Representatives. That's the kind of nonsense that goes on. That's the kind of nonsense. These people are beholden not to their constituents, but to their contributors and to the party leadership. That's the ugly secret no one's talking about. So if you have someone run for Congress and he's all excited, says, I'm going to Washington, I'm going to change that place, I'm going to drain that swamp. Well, if he isn't a team player, remember the leader in the House and Senate are called the whip. And if that doesn't sound like a Tony Soprano enforcer, I don't know what does. So if that member of Congress, if that man or woman with a strong moral fiber running through them says, I'm going to go to Washington and clean house, they're going to wind up assigned to a bunch of interesting subcommittees. You know, the subcommittee on paper clips, the subcommittee on shiny floors. Oh, yes, they'll be in Washington, okay? They will never get a piece of legislation passed. They will never get their voices heard. They will be blocked at every turn, but they can tell their constituents, I'm in Congress representing you. And meanwhile, they'd have a problem maybe even getting into the congressional lunchroom. Congress is controlled by the people at the top, and they are globalists. They adhere to the demands of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Donald Trump is not part of that bunch. That's why he scares them, because he is doing exactly what he knows needs to be done. He needs our support. And the politicians out there need to know that we're not as stupid as they hope we are, because my concern is what happens in three years at the next election. What happens seven years from now, no matter what happens, Donald Trump will be done. What will happen? Will history remember the Trump years as a speed bump along the way to disaster or a turning point for America? That's the question that we really need to ask ourselves. It better not just be a speed bump. We're facing threats from all over the world. We are educating our adversaries. We have 150,000 Chinese students learning the STEM curriculum right now in the United States, science, technology, engineering, and math. They're taking their training home. And by the way, they get to work for companies while they're here in the United States getting what's known as optional practical training. Very often they work for companies that um, do military contract work, which gives them opportunities for espionage. And in China, they call it the principle of a thousand grains of sand. Everybody just brings home one little secret. Not a whole blueprint for an entire airplane. The landing gear, the, the control surfaces, the tail assembly. One little part. And then they get all the pieces together, and like a big jigsaw puzzle, they reassemble it. There was just an interesting article in a military magazine, an aviation magazine, showing a picture of a new Chinese stealth fighter. It looks like something that could have come out of the Lockheed Skunk Works. Not an accident, folks. Not an accident. We have officially a policy of nuclear nonproliferation, but look at the Russian uranium deal, nuclear nonproliferation. We're teaching nuclear physics to our adversaries, and we're in shock that how many countries now have nuclear weaponry. In, in 1998, there was a hearing held about foreign terrorists operating in the United States. And back then, um, one of the uh, members of the United States Senate questioned this whole notion 
of providing people who are citizens of countries that sponsor terrorism with training, education, in biochemistry and nuclear physics. Dianne Feinstein was that senator. And she said, gee whiz, we're teaching our enemies how to build weapons of mass destruction. This was two days short of the fifth anniversary of the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993, February 24th, 1998. And nobody rioted and nobody protested. But if Donald Trump said it today, people would take to the streets. We have lost our minds. And now that 9-11 is ever more in the background and the attacks of, of 1993 is history now. History. How many people do I speak to who are assistant producers at radio and TV stations? And they say to them, well, you know, on 9-11, and they glaze over and they say, oh, Mr. Cutler, I was eight years old. I don't really remember much. I was speaking to one young lady. I was just over at Fox News. I was on with Heather Childers, wonderful interview for Fox News First. You can see it on their website or my website, michaelcutler.net. And I said, you know, I testified at a hearing six months after 9-11 about how two terrorists who were killed, they were suicide bombers, Mohammed Atta, the ringleader, and Marwan al-Shehi, one of his cohorts, had been granted authorization, of all things, to attend flight school six months after the attack. So by then, the whole world knew they were dead, they were terrorists, but the agency that did the backroom computer work for immigration, God forbid the government do it itself, I mean, this is this whole idea about giving contracts out, <laughs> contracts are a way of moving campaign contributions around sometimes, not always, sometimes. So, you had this company, and I don't know, you know what the funding was or how they came to get the contract. I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea. But I just look at everything with, with, with a lot of uh, skepticism because it's that filthy in Washington. But this company screwed up and sent out letters of authorization to dead terrorists telling them they can go to school, flight school, of all places. And this young lady said to me, wow, I had no idea. She said, to be honest with you, I was a child when 9-11 happened, so I really don't know much about it. Folks, why aren't we teaching 9-11 in our schools? Why aren't our politicians following the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission? So please understand, you finally, we finally have a president in the Oval Office, and we don't have to agree with all that he says and does. It's fine. This is America. I don't even always agree with me. Sometimes I come to change my position on issues. Not because I'm a waffle, but because I try to learn something new every day. And sometimes the more you learn, the more you realize you've made mistakes. But you finally have a president who's a populist, who's not only talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. He talks about enforcing the laws, making certain that American hands do the jobs that he wants to bring back to America. How in the world could any American be upset with it? How in the world could anyone say this doesn't make sense? You see... We live in a dangerous era, and we need to see beyond the rhetoric and the lies of the fake media, of the pundits, the pollsters, the politicians, everyone with a vested interest in globalism who are not acting in our best interests, but are, back, but are acting, they can shovel money into their bank accounts and curry favor with the people that are part of the power structure. It doesn't work well. You know, the communists a while back said that the capitalists will sell you the rope with which you will hang them. Today, ladies and gentlemen, there is a fire sale on rope in Washington. Fire sale on rope. We have millions of people in the country whose identities are unknown and unknowable, 
and the false narrative, and I just saw it on Tucker Carlson last night, this guy comes in and says, well, if we want to be smart about it, we have to stop enforcing immigration laws and give everybody here lawful status, so that way people who fall victim to crime will come forward and tell the police about the criminals. What no one talks about, and I did this job for 30 years, and I testified before Congress about it, there are visas that we give to victims of crimes. If they're here illegally, they can get lawful status. If they're here illegally and come to law enforcement with information about terrorist groups, organized crime, drug trafficking organizations, we can provide them with visas. We can enable them to bring their families here. One of my key responsibilities up at FBI, DEA, ATF, and I worked with those other agencies, and the New York City Police Department, was to use my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses in ethnic immigrant communities all over New York, not just from Latin America, folks, the Asian immigrant community, the Russian immigrant community, the European immigrant community, the African and the Caribbean communities, all the same. People are people are people. This isn't about racism. But I had the authority to help them. And so we were able to get illegal aliens to come forward to help us with major cases, and we put lots of bad guys away. There is no better example of community policing than the ability to walk into an ethnic immigrant community, use immigration authority to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses. That is community policing at its best. We partnered with those people. They were happy to see us. The lies that we're being told are that the immigration agents are somehow like the SS. And as somebody who's Jewish, whose grandmother was slaughtered in Poland during the Holocaust, I was named for her, my mother's mother. I'm outraged by those analogies. But the result is that more and more immigration agents are suffering violent attacks when they go out there to do their job. All thanks to the immigration anarchists, to people who don't want to see America's borders secured, who don't want to see drugs taken off the street and who don't care if there's another terrorist attack because hell, they've got money to make. And to them, what's a couple of dead bodies, collateral damage, collateral damage. Shame on us for not standing up to those people who are doing this to our country and doing this to the future of our children and their children. You can't be a good parent if you're not involved with politics and doing everything possible to look out for this great country so that our kids have bright futures here in the United States of America. So please, I ask you, I beseech you, make that your New Year's resolution. Get involved. Get involved. You know, democracy is not a spectator sport. I wish everybody out there a a very Merry Christmas. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I hope that all of you will be joining me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour But please, folks, go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Check out my articles at Front Page Mag, Social Contract, and pass them along. Be part of my bucket brigade of truth. Good night, everybody. See you next week.